Hoffa day, everyone. This is part one of episode one of the podcast featuring JJ Ambrose, Ryan Rupley, and myself, Adrian Anulao. I had to cut out the first minute because the audio levels were too low, but we opened up the podcast asking JJ what his preparation was like leading up to GSPN's EMOS Met Good Strongman competition on the 2nd of October. This is our very first podcast episode, and we hope that you enjoy, and thank you so much for listening. Yeah, so I'd love to say that I started lifting heavier or started flipping tires, um, something that would be more conducive to a strongman, but the honest answer is that I did not change my training up whatsoever. In fact, I was doing more metabolic conditioning because I had a fight and then it led into a grappling competition the next uh, two days later. And then, you know, one week from the grappling competition was the strongman comp. So there was really no time to transition into strength training. I actually back squatted for the first time that Friday. That was the first time I had squatted in over a month. And I uh, did deadlifts on Saturday leading into the competition. And, you know, like, so literally zero training at all. What, what about um, in regards to your diet? Did you have to switch anything up? No, I, was, I, I actually had cut weight. I had made Walter weight 170 the Thursday before. And then on Sunday the, for the jiu-jitsu competition, I had to weigh 175. And then by the time the competition for the strongman rolled around, I was about 180 pounds. Did you have? Was there any weight uh, categories for strongmen? No, it was uh, it was basically an open, you know. So I was the smallest guy, probably the second smallest competitor, including the girls. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Miara weighed about 135, maybe 140 pounds. But other than that, I was probably the second smallest person there. Yeah, and that's that's uh, kind of shocking, right? Because normally, and wait, Jane, how, how did you do? How did you do on the? So overall, I think I took four out of five guys. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean I took fourth in every, because um, you know there were six events. So I know I bombed out on the first one, which was uh, basically a deadlift for reps. And I knew going into that, that was going to be my absolute worst one. I mean, I have no business deadlifting with guys that are that size and that are actually competitive with deadlifts. I mean, I'm, I think big tone deadlifts, I don't know, like 600 pounds when I'm lucky to pull 400 on a good day. So just a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, it and it, you know, coming from my side and my standpoint, right? So I'm not I'm not I didn't start in the MMA side of things, right? I kind of started going to doing conventional lifting, bodybuilding style movements. And just like how everybody else starts off, we just trying to go and lift as much as we can, as heavy as possible, and we were thinking that that's going to give us the most amount of gains. To a certain period it does. Right, so they have stuff like that. The newbie growth is when you first start touching weights, you start putting on so much more muscle mass, things get a lot easier, your recovery gets a lot faster. And then after that, you know, a certain point in time, it just tears off, and you're lucky to gain at least, you'd be lucky to gain 
you'd be lucky to gain even a pound a year, right? That's how, how at this level of our age of, of, of training, right? So right. it's kind of like at this point, you, you have to live the lifestyle of it. And it's not just coming into a competition and having a competition and just training for a couple weeks or a couple months in, in preparation for it. And I think that's one of the main reasons why JJ did so well is that jumping into competitions, it's not like he's off off of training for six months out of the year or nine months out of the year and then spends the remaining three months focusing on a competition. Like right. you cannot be, a, you cannot say you're a hundred percent when you're only training for 12 weeks out of that time right. for like a fight camp or a strength block camp for right. 12 weeks or six weeks. So I feel like the reason why JJ is still able to hang with those guys and still do those type of things. And yeah, might not lift as much, but he's still lifting the same stuff. Just yeah. maybe not as much reps is the fact that throughout the years, plural, you're still doing lifting, we're still doing all these other exercises. And it kind of came to show that it's a combination of both, right? right? Combination of weightlifting and a combination of proper nutrition that'll give the development in order for them to excel in a specific sport. Right. Uh, in my aspect of things, I actually would say that JJ probably would fare a lot differently if it was based off of weight, right? Percentages of weight. Uh, JJ coming in at 180, 185, come going against some people that are probably in their 250s, 280 pounds, you know, they potentially have 100 pounds on them. So, you know, there should be a correlation of, all right, if you weigh this much, this is what you should be targeted right. lifting. And then that will kind of give you a fair understanding of, to me, proper levels of strength, right? I, but I completely understand the competition and it was great that there's competitions on Guam like that for people who want or people who are interested in that type of fitness you know I completely you know I'm, I support that but I think um, you know that is going to be the reason why that they, they have one strongest man but you know I'm kind of more geared towards it being relative to weight right um, so yeah that's where I kind of um, for as far as maximal load if, if we're going off of that I'm certainly an average person I wouldn't call myself even a strong person for 180 pounds because there's definitely power lifters out there that are pulling five, 600 pounds at my weight, at my size. So I, I wouldn't say that I'm even considered strong for my size because I'm not. Maybe I'm strong for my size as an MMA fighter, but as far as power lifting or strongman goes, I'm on the weaker yeah. uh, spectrum of things. I think if we're talking about maximal loads. However, when we're talking about like, I don't know, like how many pull-ups, how much weight can you pull? You know, if you're doing a pull-up, I mean, then that's where things would change a little bit. Like, uh, what do they call that when it's like, um, I don't know, like, like gymnastic work. If we're, if we're talking like, like, uh, pound, pound for pound yeah. movements. Like if you look at the guys that do like the iron ring, like the iron cross on right. the rings, like that's some insane strength. Those those guys that do calisthenics, they're able to manipulate their bodies in ways, you know, without even using momentum. They're just they're grabbing a pull up bar and they're going straight into a muscle up or like I said, the iron cross on the rings. I mean, that's a whole different kind of strength. Uh, I mean and when you look at those guys too, they're lean, they're fit, super, they're in super. shape. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they're sub seven percent body fat. You know, they're they're just jacked year round, and you know they can do a handstand with one arm, and 
Not I wonder a big what deal. competition that would be labeled then. I mean, because it wouldn't be labeled Guam's strongest man because right. strongest man is just saying out of everybody who's lifting the most, regardless of your height, your weight, your age, or whatever. I'd, I wonder what competition you'd be called or if there is a competition. No, I mean, because fitness is like a test of like cardiovascular, you know, like endurance. There's, there's a lot of things that tie into fitness. I think fitness encompasses everything rather than specialty things yes you know like that's how much you lift how much you can carry how much you can lunge i mean there's so many movement patterns that we could go off of i mean you can't compare a sprinter to a marathon runner they're just not the same athlete but if we were talking about overall athleticism you know then then we talk about those are like specialty like just like a power lifter a power lifter is his own specialty. You wouldn't take him and test his 5K time because right. it would be atrocious, right? right? It be yeah, it would be like a 15-minute mile, if that, if they could finish. Yeah. Right? For sure. So. Yeah. And, and then you start to kind of tear on the side of, all right, now, if, I mean, if we're willing to change subjects here, as far as you have competitions and then we want to start scaling into, well, what, fitness and then health right so that that's where we want to kind of touch base and that's you know what we're here for is to kind of just talk about health talk about fitness and and what we believe you know everybody has their own opinion into it and i've made my changes and what i've seen in my life based off of what i've been through right so before i used to just want to do bodybuilding stuff get as big get as jacked as possible and i even through that i went through phases where i thought yeah i had to deadlift six plates or i had to you know i had to bench press 405 in order to look a certain way and then it kind of steered off of that saying oh that's pretty stupid because of the injuries that I'm getting and then it became all right so I'm trying to be a bodybuilder but just use weight in the easiest best way so that I can inflate my muscles and get it to blow up versus going for the dense strength aspect portion and then after that it got to the point well well, all right so I'm big and I can barely fit in the clothes and it sucks to walk upstairs (laughs) and I can't breathe to bend over and tie my shoelace and so I kind of feel you know realized at that point in time that maybe bodybuilding for me just wasn't the best for me and mm-hmm. it's just the decision that I had made and that's the reason why I transferred over to a different style of training in a different type of gym uh, and I still feel like I, I don't even actively train throughout the week but I still feel like my physique is still held there just because of the type of training and what I've programmed my body I still eat very very clean mm-hmm. For 80 to 90% of the time, I still, when I do train, I'm not going in there running through movements. I'm making sure that every rep is is counted in my head that I'm, I'm pushing it for a certain reason. If I'm doing a, you know, a bench press, then I'm making sure that I'm isolating my chest out and focusing on the tension of my chest in order to get that development versus just somebody going through the motions, right? And so I guess I would tear off and asking, right, what, and I guess, Jay, what would be your based on your history because you've done so many competitions you've been trying all these different events you've done perimeter races around guam you've done right you know mma stuff grappling stuff you've definitely done the strongman stuff like what would be your what would you say is going to be your your selection of what you would want in your life and what you would preach to not just your your family but for what would you want to get people you know supporting behind you with so like i'm i'm not even going to be politically correct when i say this but i think that whatever fitness or hobby that you decide to pursue like if like even for the strongman guys for instance 
if that's what you enjoy doing, you enjoy lifting really, really heavy weights and uh, carrying, you know, sandbags, doing all that stuff, that's fine. If that's your chosen uh, method of fitness, then totally cool. That's your activity level. However, I think more important than what you choose for your activity level, because I mean, there's like think about yoga. They never they don't get their heart rates up at all. That's true. But the way they eat is what dictates what your body's gonna look like and your overall health. Cardiovascular disease, you know, heart disease, all these things, they stem from what you put in, not what you put out. So, I mean, if you wanna be a bodybuilder, that's fine, but you need to be willing to eat like a bodybuilder, you know, like you have controlled macros. Um, You know, if you wanna run, you're gonna have to increase your carb intake, increase your protein intake, and less, less fat because you're gonna to wanna to sustain the muscle that you have, you know, as well as being able to sustain the longer runs. So like anybody that walks into steel and they say, I like to run more than I like to lift weights. I don't like to lift heavy. Like, okay, like if I can't convince you to lift heavy, that's fine, but we need to um, talk about what you're eating. I mean, because it's not the weights that are gonna make you heavy it's not the deadlifts, it's none of that stuff. It's the cupcakes. Yep. You know, you're eating cupcakes, that's what's giving you muffin top. You know, muffins give you muffin top, not the weights. Yeah. And I think there's a big misconception. I mean, history has proven time and time again. I mean, there's so many studies that have gone through, you know, with college students where they eat a 2,000 calorie a diet, 2,000 calorie a day diet where they can only go into 7 Eleven and eat that many calories and they're still lean because of the amount of calories they're taking in you know it doesn't matter where the food source comes from it was just you're taking 2,000 calories in a day based on the person I mean everyone had different macros but it was really their their numbers their weight percentage their body fat all that was based on their intake and nothing else so It's really hard to convince people of that, though. I mean, there's a lot of like data out there. There's there's the misinformation on Instagram where like you know keto or uh, vegan or paleo, whatever it is, whatever direction they decide to go, um, you know, you'll have the guy with six six pack abs who's selling an infomercial. Basically, he's trying to sell his product, and he's saying, "Eat this way. I can eat whatever I want as long as it's paleo." Well, that's not necessarily true. He can eat whatever he wants up until a certain amount of calories, and after that, he's just putting on body fat. But oh yeah, know, that's the, the misinformation. Oh yeah, so many, so many scams, especially uh, in in our industries, the the nutrition industry and the fitness industry. There's so many scams, so many quote unquote programs, so many strength blocks, so many different types of training. What's the best? What's not the best? You know, I, I mean, you take somebody that's been eating 20 cheeseburgers every single day for 10 years and you tell them, all right, we're going to take you from eating 20 cheeseburgers a day to 10 cheeseburgers a day. I guarantee you that person's going to lose weight mm-hmm. just from going from 20 to 10, just in that, right. that deficit. Now, does that mean that everybody should be on a cheeseburger diet in order to lose weight? Hell no. Right. right? And that's why that's that's why everything's such a big scam. And that's why to me, keto was such a big scam because mm-hmm. it was like, Hey, let's go put everybody on this diet. Of course, you're going to lose weight. You're taking people from Guam that are eating rice with their kudu, with their adobo, with everything. And you say, all right, we're not going to have any carbs anymore. Then the body is going to definitely make a change because you're depleting it. 
from all the carbs that you're normally used to eating. And then it's just, it's, it's false, right? So of course it's going to work. And then when that person jumps off the keto and they try to go back to their regular way of eating or their regular way of life, mm-hmm. they gain the weight back and gain some. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that that's been, you know, the end all for everybody. I know I still know people that have been on a ketogenic style diet and they've been loving it and they've been on it for a couple of years, you know, good on them. Right. But, you know, that's what the, that's what the what we got to do is find what works for that individual person. Right? right. And so for me, it's, it's with all my history, I've been doing this for over a decade. I've had over 6,000 clients on our Island. And for me, it's like, you know, why am I, I, I got to attack not just the, their weight, but I also have to attack their mental. Right? right. And so a lot of people mentally going into a diet, that's how it affects people. Right. It's, it's hard to diet. It's hard to eat healthy when, especially on Guam, when our whole culture is centered around food. Right. It's very hard to for somebody to sustain the mental capacity to limit the amount of food. I'm not saying that you have to get rid of all the muffins, get rid of all the cupcakes and all that stuff. Right. It's just you, you got to understand that if you have that muffin, even if you're doing cardio for an hour and a half, you just burn that muffin and that muffin only, not you know disregard all the other food yeah, that you right. took in throughout that day. Right? I mean, I have so many examples of friends that you know people think that a certain physique is attainable because of how they're lifting a certain weight or how long that they're lifting but they you know they only see what happens one or two hours in the gym right so everybody will go to the gym see this person be like damn man you're jacked and you know you must be doing this crossfit crossfit workout or this bodybuilding workout for so long and so you know and and you're so well developed you know how did you get there and they're, all they're seeing is that one little aspect, that one to two hours in the gym. Right. They're not seeing the countless hours spent where that person is saying, oh, I'm not going to go to that fast food or I'm going to turn this away. I'm going to turn this away and start eating a proper diet that's mm-hmm. built for them. Right. And for people that, you know, everybody thinks that oh, I got to go on a diet. It's going to be so strict. It's going to be so hard. Man, there's phases to everything. Right. So if you if you're not dieting at all, you're not eating healthy at all. Maybe the first habit is why don't we just stop drinking sodas? We start right. that out for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, and then right the next step. What's going to be the next step? Because that helps change their mentality of it, right? right? They're not just seeing it. I don't like it when people see diets as just a temporary type of thing. I actually don't even like the word diet, right? right. Because it's, it's really, if you say that, then that means you're only using this for a certain event or you're only using this for a certain short period of time and you're not trying to change the lifestyle aspect. You know, people always come to me like, hey, the Bank of Guam, uh, the Bank of Guam Christmas party is happening in a couple of weeks. I need to lose 15, 20 pounds to fit into my clothes or fit into my dress for the party. You know, what do we need to do? And I was like, man, we should make healthy eating our lifestyle where it's, you know, 75 to 80 percent of your time. You're eating healthy and the one meals, you know, the cheap meals and not cheat days are those one offs. Right. So that way the body remembers. I've had so many clients, I mean, including JJ, where we'll go start a diet and, and get super lean, get fit, get, you know, get on point for his weight, goes off track after the competition and enjoys some food. But once he jumps right back on the diet, the body remembers and cuts out that, that excess weight that he put on in the temporary. Right. right. And that's kind of the changes that need to be done. Um, we need to start taking a better look into our nutrition. we got to start changing our mentality of certain things. I mean, I remember growing up, it was, Hey, whatever's on your plate, you got to finish it or, Hey, look at all of this. Don't waste this stuff. We, you know, you can pack the food, bro, and wait for later (laughs) and eat it later. Like, you know, I remember sitting there on the table like, hey, man, you got all of this pork chop and cream of mushroom and rice. You better finish it off. And it's like, you know, and and it got me to a point where I was just very overweight. Right. So it's just kind of learning 
these little nuances in life to change that will make your lifestyle, right? It's all these little things that add up. It's all the cents that add up to the dollar that adds to the $5, right? So I think we need to change, you know, that mindset of, 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 of how we kind of approach food right. and, and stop thinking that it's um, a negative thing, especially carbs. I hate it when people think that they have to stay away from carbohydrates and that we have to just eat as much protein so we can get jacked up, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not, it's not there. I mean, I always tell people, you know, one gram of carb is four calories. One gram of protein is four calories as well. You know, there, there could be a mix, there can be a balance. And I understand, yes, that carbs and protein do different things in the body. But in, if you're overall just trying to look at calories, why not have a balance of both and be happy about it? Right. But then you still have to have the mental discipline to, to reduce down and not have five cups of rice with that adobo and just have one cup or two cups, right? It's just mental stability and mental, you know, grit right. to get you pushing through. And, and a lot of discipline as well, right? Yeah, it's, it's really the discipline, you know, factor of it, right? And, um, and it shows, right? Like, you know, for example, we have Joe Lazama over at our gym at Steel and the guy trains hard, just training all the time. He's probably training right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, 100%. He's definitely training right now. But you get somebody that trains on the regular basis and then they want to join a competition like JJ. They can thrive. They can do well because of the discipline that they're putting their bodies through for the remaining part of the, the year. They're not just waiting for 16 weeks out right. or 24 weeks out. Like Yeah, that's the misconception that fighters have sometimes, you know, like when they talk about the off season and fight camp. You know, when you go into fight camp, you should already be in shape. Right. You know, you're already, uh, you know, the off season just means I'm going to get stronger and technically better. As soon as I sign a contract, I have a fight in six to eight weeks. The only thing that changes is I stop lifting so heavy and I'm focusing on one opponent. You know, I'm just sharpening up the tools that I already have geared towards him. I'm increasing, you know, the, the cardio a little bit, but really I'm already in shape. I'm not getting in shape during during fight camp. During fight camp. Yeah. It's the same with like, you know, like the strongman guys. Mm-hmm. You know, like they were they should have already been strong. The only difference was as soon as they signed their their name on the contract, that's when they start lifting like the funny implements, you know, instead of doing uh, a straight bar deadlift, now right. they're doing the hex bar mm-hmm. in preparation. They're flipping the tire, they're uh, carrying odd objects, you know, like right. they all they do is change things. You know, they built that base of strength. Yeah. You know, they tighten should, up. Right, they're just tightening up the tools. That's all. That's all. Fight camp should mm-hmm. mean. It shouldn't mean I'm gonna go get in better shape. Now. Right. Right. So um, I know that, especially this year, like you've been entering like a lot of different types of competition. You know, you got MMA fights. Yeah. Uh, you have you did a strongman. The jujitsu, the general jiu-jitsu, fitness comp, general CrossFit, and then now upcoming, you have. Um, the MMA fighter versus Navy SEAL diver. Okay, yeah, I have that. But the day before, I have the Copa de Marianas, the oh, Nogi. yes, that's right. So I, I have two back-to-back competitions. Um, I, I have this, like, not, I wouldn't say new lease on life. Let's mm-hmm. just say that I'm 35 right now, and I feel like there is an athletic peak coming that I haven't hit yet. Right. You know, I, I don't know what age I'm supposed to hit that at because most guys... 
talk about their their high school endeavors and then they it's all downhill from there mm-hmm. <laughs> you know for me yeah. ever since high school high school was probably the opposite right that's when i was in my 30s in high school because i didn't train nowhere near as hard right. i didn't eat i didn't sleep properly yeah. i was chasing girls was doing uh-huh. all the wrong things that i probably should have done in my 30s but 30s came around and uh fitness took over you right. know like with my mma training everything has all changed i'm i'm now getting into my stride so 35 i know that that window is going to close i'm going to hit that peak eventually you know that peak where we start going down but uh i'm doing all these things to make myself uncomfortable i think that when i i do competitions i get that feeling of anxiety you know Mm -hmm. right before a competition that everybody inevitably gets um but man it's it's kind of addicting i kind of i kind of like that you know i like the feeling of having the jitters and then overcoming them and then performing. I right. love performing in front of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not some showman that likes to wave to the crowd and, you know, play to their um, parts. I like to face my fears. I feel it is amazing. And it's, I don't know, it's the only drug that I'll take right now. So maybe later on in life we'll, we'll dabble. But right now it's uh, the adrenaline rush that I get from these different competitions. I like to test myself and, you know, testing myself against strong men when I had, I didn't lift a single weight yeah. in preparation. That, that was kind of uh that was an all, all new high for me. I thought that was actually pretty cool that you've been like, you know, through your, uh, your name in the hat. Cause it's, yeah, I, I feel like you did pretty well. And I know, um, I forgot his name, but then the guy who came, um, Elton. Yeah. No, not First Elton. No, no, or no, no. Tim. Um, he works for GSPN. He's oh, Pat. Yeah. Pat. So he came in and dropped, you know, the gift certificates. And he even, he was even telling me, like, yeah, JJ did, like, you know, uh, he did so well coming into it because, you know, you're not typically, like, a strong man. You're not right. as big as those guys. Average man. Yeah. 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 We weren't expecting that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, you don't even expect that he's able to pull that. Like, I would, mm-hmm. you know, when I think strong man, I'm thinking, like, this is something that just an average person, even an average gym goer right. or somebody that doesn't train in strongman couldn't even lift it. I mean, I heard that's what happened with the tire that mm-hmm. nobody could to, could get it up. And that's what I would have figured would be for JJ, that he'd be walking in there just, bro, people, when people have 100 pounds on you, it's a big ass difference. Yeah. yeah, I'll be completely honest. The first event was that uh, proa lift. It yeah. was like a, a proa with three guys on top of it. Yeah. There was, a, walking up to that, I was like, Man, if I could just get one or two reps, I'd be happy. Ended up busting out 22. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I was shocked as we were. So, I was actually, like, changing my game plan on the fly because I only planned on doing one or two reps and mm-hmm. being done, you know, bowing out. But then, you know, like, they started sailing up, you know, called the adrenaline. Because yeah. I know we were lifting over 400 pounds. I have no idea how much it was. but. Right call it adrenaline, call it maximal strength, you know, like I sent it and, mm-hmm. you know, 22 was way over what I thought I was going to get. And that concludes part one of episode one of the podcast. Stay tuned for part two this Friday.